0: Well, let me uh, welcome all of you here to Big Valley Grace Community Church, especially those of you that are visiting with us for the first time. Welcome again to those of you over in the venue. It was good to be with you there at the beginning, and um, Kevin, thank you for leading over there, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Jared leading worship, and Juan, uh, one of our interns playing in the band over there last night, he was on the patio. And uh, he did a great job last night, and it's always fun to be here on Saturday and and have a great time of uh, fellowship and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you're visiting with us, we're, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace where we're going through the book of Romans together. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Romans chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, and we know that uh, this is um, a time in our nation's history when a lot of people don't have bibles and we'd like to put one in your hands we'd like to give you one after the gathering just go into the altar room right over here over in the venue you have an altar room also and we'd love to put a bible in your hand if you're watching online or listening on the radio or whatever just come down to the church on on monday come to the church office out on tully avenue and we'd love to give you a copy of the the word of god it's one of the things that a bible believing church ought to be involved in And we spend lots of money on purchasing Bibles and putting Bibles into people's hands because we want you to read the Word of God for yourself. We want you to be able to take the Word of God home and spend time in it other than here on the weekend. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you today, most of the verses will be in your notes, and so all you gotta do is pull this out or they'll come up on the Jumbotrons, they'll even come up on your computer there at, at home. Uh, it was two weeks ago we started this, and so what I want to do is I want to make sure we 're all on the same page, and i'm always going to do what i 'm going to call a, a Romans rewind because I want everybody here who hasn't been here to know where we 're at it'd be kind of rude it'd be weird if all of a sudden I just jumped into something and didn't somehow get you up to speed if you weren't if you weren't here and so What I want you to do is, uh, I I, I want you to imagine, and I did this last week, I engaged everybody's uh, imagination. I want you to imagine that that is the, the world and mankind lives within this box, okay? Everything we know about the world is right here. And everybody who has ever lived, will live, lives inside this box, okay? Now God's on the outside of the box. Eternity's on the outside of the box. But we, human beings, are trapped, if you will, inside the the box. And I told everybody last week that there are two major powers at work within the box. There's two major powers that we all have to deal with right now inside the box. And the first one is sin. It's a power that's gripped the lives of everybody that's lived in the box. It's gripped all of our lives. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that when Adam sinned, when Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 sinned, when they disobeyed God, it brought sin into the world. It brought sin into the box. And all of us have to deal with it. This is why everything is so messed up in the box today. At the very moment that Adam disobeyed God, sinned against God, it messed everything up because it brought sin and, and evil into the hearts of human beings, which obviously obviously then brought sin and evil into the world. Sin is a, a, a superpower that dominates everything that happens in the box, it destroys everything that gets in its way, and ultimately, sin creates bad news in the box, okay? All you have to do is pick up the Modesto, B literal, on any given day, just read the front page, and you can see the bad news. You can see all of the evil that's being perpetrated right here in our own town. You could, uh, I have all these... Uh, uh, national papers that I have downloaded out on my phone, my smartphone, it's an app, you know, I can get the New York Times and the LA Times, the Boston Herald, and all of them on any given day, you read the front page and you see the implications of sin and evil. Unbelievable what people will do to themselves within the box and what people will do to each other within the box. Christianity has an answer to the question of evil. There is evil in the world, there's sin in the world and it all happened because of Adam's disobedience in Genesis chapter three. And so we have to, to deal with this thing, this ugly thing called sin. But, but the ugliest thing about sin is that it, it brought death with it. The reason why we all die is because of sin. We're going to die physically. Someday you are going to take your last breath. I guarantee it. We all die because of sin. But way more importantly, sin brought with it spiritual death. At the moment that Adam disobeyed God, we all died spiritually within the box. The relationship between us and the God who created us was severed. In fact, it was severed to the degree that some of you don't even believe in him anymore. There are people in this room right now, you don't even believe in God, that's the power of sin. There are some of you over in the venue, you don't even believe in God. There are some of you watching online, listening on the radio. Sin has had such an unbelievable impact in your life, you don't even believe in God anymore. There was a time in my life when I didn't believe in God. That's how ugly this this power is within the, the box so the first problem that we all have to deal with in the box is sin, but, but there's a second problem, and that is Satan. He's the leader within the box. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter four, Satan, who's the God of this world, in other words, he's the God in this box. God wanted us to know something. By the way, that's little g in the box. God wanted us to know something. He gave us some information, if you will, about the box, and it has a leader. Now, the people inside the box don't know that he's the leader. In fact, the people in the box don't believe in him either, and that's just the way Satan wants it. But there is a leader within the box, and that is Satan. And when you put sin and Satan together within the box, it creates kind of a a double whammy, if you will, of bad news for those of us that are living in there. It's the reason why there's this this craziness that's happening in the world today. It's the reason why there's such evil in the world today. Now obviously some people are more evil than others, I understand that. But make no no mistake about it, the Bible's teaching is crystal clear. All of us are evil, all of us. We're all evil, some are just more evil than others. That's the the situation in the box, It's, it's bad news, Within the box. So here's the bottom line. The the people in the box need some good news. The people in the box need the truth about life. They need the truth about sin. They need the truth about what sin has done to them. They need the truth about how to remedy the problem of sin, you see? And this is where Christianity comes in, especially the book of Romans. You see, Christianity recognizes the problem within the box. It recognizes that people are trapped within the box and they're basically prisoners, if you will, to sin and Satan. Christianity recognizes that sin has destroyed the relationship between humans and God and Christianity comes along and says, I've got some good news. And it's important we understand the bad news because if you don't understand the bad news within the box, then who needs the good news, right? Christianity says God so loved you, he so cared about you, that he sent his son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, left the glories of heaven, and actually entered into the box. And 2,000 years ago, the good news was born in a little town called Bethlehem. We celebrate that as believers, it's called Christmas. Christianity says, I got some good news. The, the gospel, I found this quote, and they didn't attribute it to anybody, so I don't I didn't put a you know a name on it, but it said this quote: the gospel is called the good news because it addresses the most serious problem that you and I have as human beings, which is how is my sin forgiven? How can I, as an unrighteous sinner, have a relationship with a holy and righteous God. That's what we needed in here. That's the good news. How how can that happen? Enter Jesus. He's the good news. He's how I can have my sins forgiven. He's how you can have your sins forgiven. It's through a relationship with him that our our, uh, relationship with the Father can be restored again. Now, about three weeks ago, we sent a group of our men to Jamaica. I'm gonna ask them to come up here right now. And here's the deal, this box right here is where we live and where our men went was a really dark corner within the box. And normally what we're doing in this series is we're doing live or we're doing you know videos of people that aren't ashamed of the gospel or whatever and today we thought we'd just do a live one. Because our men's ministry isn't ashamed of the gospel. And they came up with this idea that maybe we had to leave this pinhole on a map and go to another place within the box, Jamaica, and tell some people there about Jesus Christ. And um, they got a lot of stories, but I've asked them to maybe focus in on just one of them. And so, Rich, you, you got the floor. Tell us a little bit about what happened.
1: Wow. It wasn't a vacation. That's all I want to tell you. We, uh, one of our guys had, a, had God knock on his door of his heart. And he wasn't ashamed to just say, all right, I want to move men. And so the men in our ministry raised enough money to send 40 of the 60 kids that came to camp. And and these pictures of these kids that you're seeing up there, they look like really nice little guys, but they aren't. And they are, I'm telling you, they're juvenile delinquents. We broke up more fights in five days at camps than I did in 20 years of taking kids from here to Mexico. Yeah, But, uh, Interestingly enough, um, just the fact that we went willing to serve and the guys from Jamaica church were willing to serve there, amazing things happened. And one of our guys who went, Gordon Agrilla, who's not up here this this, this uh, in this service, 80 years old, first mission trip he's ever been on. And I don't know how many of you know Gordon, but he's about this tall and ornery as can be. And I just remember waking up one morning to his voice raised in a and a vision of him nose-to-nose with a 17-year-old gang member getting ready to kick his, (laughs) getting ready to impress him with Gordon's power. (laughs) I didn't know who I was gonna have to rescue, but it's just interesting that God put us in some uncomfortable places so we could make a connection with people that are in a dark corner of the box that nobody's ever connected with. And uh, interestingly enough, that one boy that Gordon, cornered and and called and called into a position of, you're gonna respect me, was able then to hear the gospel. And uh, to be around guys who aren't ashamed of the gospel and to see what God did at that camp. There were 60 some boys there. Don't know exactly how many of them made decisions, but a whole bunch of them were standing up, including that one boy that Gordon called out. And so, guys, thank you for your prayers and and, uh, thank you for being a church that cares enough about the box. (laughs)
0: Hey, so. give it up for our guys. we do that? So here's the deal. Gordon Agrella confronts this young boy and says, you know what, here's the deal. I'm, a, I'm an older man, and you're going to respect me. I've come here because I love you, and I care about you. And our guys were the camp counselors. And they went at it. By the end of the week, this young boy saw that Gordon loved him and cared about him, and more importantly, heard the story about a God who invaded the box because he loved people, he loved them. This young boy gave his life to Christ. You know, it's amazing what happens when you're not ashamed of the gospel and you're willing to stand for the gospel. Well, with this said, let's get into today's message, okay? This letter, the, the book of Romans, or the letter written to the Romans, was written well over 1,900 years ago, but for me, the, the verses that we're, we're gonna look at today still have a unique warmth to them. They're, they're packed with great, great tenderness and great sensitivity. I think that most people when they think of Paul or they see the life of Paul in the writings tend to think of him as a strong leader and there's no doubt that he was or that he was a bold witness and there's no doubt that he was a bold witness. He was a dynamic communicator, a brilliant debater and those things would certainly be true. They think of him being a a fearless confronter and there's no doubt about that or or maybe a, a, a deep thinker and all those would be true, but as I studied these verses this past week, for some reason God opened my eyes to the fact that Paul was also a man that had a shepherd's heart. He was a man that cared deeply about people. And I found myself reading these verses uh, over and over again, and I kept pondering the implications of them in my own life. I began to then think about the implications of these passages and the life of our, of our church. And I hope that maybe somehow they have the same effect on you. So Romans chapter one, uh, the first few verses, Paul just introduces himself. He, He tells these believers in Rome a little bit about him. And he begins to tell us a little bit about the gospel. And then he says this in verse eight. He said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everybody who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, or to the Gentile. And beloved, when when um, you look at this passage, it gives us some, some really great insights as to why Paul had such an unbelievable impact within the box. You see, God had sent his son into the box. His son came to forgive us of our sins. His son came to restore our relationship with the Father. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. And then the Bible tells us that God gave Paul the honor of going around and telling other people within the box the good news. Paul was commissioned by God to be the the preacher of the good news, especially to the Gentiles. And there's no doubt he had a a great impact on people's lives. And I think somehow in these verses here, we get a, a sense of why he was so impactful, why he had such a great ministry. And here's the deal. Paul ain't alive anymore. He's not in the box but you are. And just like Paul, we all have been commissioned to tell others in the box about the good news, about Jesus, you see. And I think if you'd really pay attention to a few of these things I'm gonna tease out of this passage, it'll help you have a greater impact within the box, wherever God has you. So so here we go. Uh, Number one, Paul was a thankful person And thankful people uh, make an impact within the box. Okay, look at verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, Paul says to these Romans, these, these believers in Rome. How do you think these Christians felt when they read this letter? And one of the first things Paul does is he thanks God for them. Now, he's going to get specific here in a moment. But in a general sense, he's saying, man, I thank God for all of you believers that are in Rome. Do you think that had an impact on their lives? You bet it did. Think about it. How, how would you feel if you received a letter, or you got a, an email, and it was from the Apostle Paul, and he said to you, I just want to thank God for you. I'm thankful for you. That'd probably make a difference in your your life. Look, if you wanna become a person that influences people, if you you wanna make a, a real impact on those around you, those that are in the box or around you, if you wanna have a great testimony, develop a ministry of encouragement. Be an affirmer, be a thankful person. Look, the world's full of critics, it doesn't take Anything to criticize, does it? And yet some people have made it a, you know, their life's ambition to be critical. What are are those pillars? What are those? Man, I I came in here and saw a bunch of, you know, stuff on the carpet from all those kids. What kind of pulpits that? Made of metal. Metal. That, that's the best illustration you can come up with? A box? That's a crummy box. Where's your tie at? <laughs> yeah. aren't, aren't preachers supposed to have ties? I mean, yeah.
1: it's
0: crazy. <laughs> to me, the problem is we didn't have enough mess on the carpet by the time the week was over. I hope next year we have more kids and more messes, more holes in the walls, just mess it up. Look, if you had your choice to hang out with someone who oozed encouragement and thankfulness or was consistently critical or negative, who would you wanna be with? It's a no-brainer, isn't it? There's just something about being around somebody who's just affirming and thankful Paul was a master at affirmation. It's one of the, the marks of a true follower of Christ. Colossians chapter three says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. He goes on to say in chapter four, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. Hebrews chapter 12 says, therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Look, if you understand the reality of the box, sin in the box, the fact that we were sinful, trapped, that, that we were under really the influence of, of a, a crummy, evil entity the, 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 the Satan, the demons, when you understand that and you understand the gospel that God loved you so much that he sent his son into the box to save you, Believers ought to be the most thankful people on the planet. Now, here's what I want you to do. Here's where it's going to get uncomfortable for some of you. I want you to rate yourself. How thankful are you? you a thankful person? you an affirming person? Or would, you, would you give yourself an eight or a nine? Maybe you're looking up there going, oh, man, preacher, get going. Move on to the next point. please. Please. <laughs> because you know you're a one or a two. If you're not sure what you are, ask your spouse. Oh, t- please, preacher. Just move on. Ask your kids. You see, I often tell you, I think we're the only thing that God created that has the ability to deceive ourselves. We can deceive ourselves. Oh yeah, I'm an eight or a nine. You know, if you were sitting sit down with your kids, they'd go, what? No. And here's the deal. If right now you're feeling guilt, that's a good thing. God gave you a conscience. And guilt is there to let you know you're doing something wrong. Embrace the guilt right now. I'm not making you feel guilty. Coming to church isn't just listening to a message and then going home. I, I want you to work this out in your life right now. And if you sense some guilt in your life because you're not a very thankful person, then all you gotta do is say, you know what? I'm changing that today. Get in the car, look at your wife, look at your husband and say, man, I'm really sorry. I heard from the Lord today. And I'm not a very thankful person. Go to your kids and say, man, I heard from God today. I'm not a thankful person. Would you pray for your, your, your dad? Would you, you know, pray for you know, me, your mom, or whatever it is? Maybe it's the people you work with. Maybe you need to go back to them and say, man, I went to church this weekend and I heard from God and you know what? I I was confronted with the fact I'm not very thankful. And I'm really sorry. And see what kind of difference it'll make with your family in the box or the people you work with in the box or the people you play golf with within the box. Probably make a difference, won't it? Or you can just leave here and go, I'm not changing. And some, some of you, unfortunately, will do that. You're not going to change. I'm too old to change, preacher. You might be, but I know a God who you claim to know lives within you. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within you. If you really know him, you have the power to change regardless of how old you are. And maybe today, this is the the one thing that, that you just need to focus in on. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I know. People that tend to be ones or twos, you know what they're really good at? They know exactly what their spouse is. They can look up there and go, ah, or they know what their kids are. But boy, turning your eyeballs on yourself, man, that's hard. You'd rather just keep them on somebody else. Now, I want to give you a bonus thought before I move on to number two. And the bonus thought is this, is that faithful people make an impact because Paul is going to give us some insight as to one of the things he was really thankful for with these people. He said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith, your belief in God, your belief in the gospel, your trust in the gospel is proclaimed in all the world. Beloved, this was a great church at this moment. It had a great reputation. In fact, it was such a great reputation, it was being talked about through through the entire known world. The, the, The Christians at this church were world famous. Now, what makes this even more special is the fact that at this time in Rome, it wasn't exactly easy to be a follower of Jesus. Rome was basically sin city. It was the Las Vegas, if you will, of the Mediterranean Sexual immorality and orgies were running rampant. It was known for, you know, those kinds of things. It was known for its selfishness and and greed. It was known for the drunkenness and gluttony that was going on within it. Materialism and idolatry were running rampant in Rome at that time. Yet the Christians in Rome were standing firm. They were living pure and moral lives. Jesus said this, and Matthew chapter 5, he says, you, Christians, are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Christian, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everybody will praise your heavenly Father. The, the, The believers in Rome were nailing that. The the more corrupt a society is, the more Christians should stand out. And certainly here in America today, that's true. Our country, for those of you that are younger than I am, okay, I know there are people older than I am, I have watched our country decline, decline, decline. We're not like Rome was at this moment yet, But as we decline and our country becomes more and more sinful and evil within the box, we as believers are sticking out. That's why the world hates us more. That's why the world is attacking us more because we're sticking out to a greater degree. We're like that city that's on the side of a hill at night and you can't help but see the lights. For a lot of years, 100 years plus, this country was known for its Christianity, its biblical values, and so we didn't stick out that much. But now, sin has overtaken our land. Evil has overtaken our country. And so guess what? What a great time to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And we can look at our brothers and sisters in Rome 2000 years ago as an example to us they were known for their faith they were known for their trust in in the gospel now as i was studying this this past week i began to think about all the different churches that are out there some churches are, are famous for their size. Some churches are famous for their buildings. In other words, their, their architecture is well known. Some of us might remember the Crystal Cathedral. And what made that church famous, if you will, was its architecture. They had all this glass and whatever. Some churches are famous for the, the teachings of their pastor, right? Their, their, their pastor is simply you know famous some churches are famous for their music some churches are famous for the fact that celebrities or you know actors or actresses might attend their churches and there's nothing necessarily wrong with any of those things nothing wrong with having a big church nothing wrong with having a nice building nothing wrong with having a, a great preacher that's another that's another message um <laughs> But the church at Rome was, was famous for their faith, you see? And in my humble opinion, this is what God wants his church to be famous for. The more I, I thought about this passage this week, the more impressed on my heart that, that this is what Big Valley Grace should be known for it's, it's faith, it's faith in Christ, it's faith in the gospel, and it's love. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind love and faithfulness around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now I want to ask you a question. Okay? Don't don't, don't say the answer out loud. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think the reputation of Big Valley Grace is today within our community? Just just. Remember, you have friends that you do life with, golf with, play tennis with, do hobbies with, watch movies with, work with. What do you think unbelievers think about our church? The answer is that Big Valley Grace is known for whatever you are, because you're the church. So whatever people think about you is what they're going to think about Big Valley Grace. Isn't that interesting? As bizarre as it sounds, God has put the reputation of his church in your hands. Isn't that crazy or what? The people that you do life with, the people you work with, they're going to think about the church as it relates to you see, the Bible tells us that God wants his church to be holy. We're his bride. Look at, one of the reasons why the scripture says that if, if I were to sin, if I were to do something that would disqualify me, it's to be handled differently than if you sin. If I sin, it's to be brought up to the front like this and dealt with in a public way, why? Because publicly, I'm kind of the face of the church. And if I do something dumb, if I do something that would un, you know disqualify me, then that gets out to the world. And God wants his church holy. And so you know what? Somebody might say in the office, hey, I heard about your pastor, he did this. Yeah, but we also dealt with it publicly. where something happens within your life, we still deal with it. But it isn't dealt with up here. See, God cares way more about your holiness, because you're the church, than he does your happiness. Does God care about your happiness? Of course he does. But he cares about his church being holy, being faithful, if you will, to the gospel. Faithful to the words that are written between these two leather-bound covers, if you will. And the church at Rome was faithful. Faithful church. So back to what made Paul such a great man within the box, why he had such a great impact. Number two, Paul was a praying person, and obviously praying people will make an impact within the box. Look at verse nine. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Once again, how do you think these Christians felt knowing that the great apostle Paul was praying for them? How does it make you feel when somebody comes up to you, writes you a letter, writes you an email, sends you a message and says, hey, I just want you to know for whatever reason God brought you to my mind, I'm praying for you. That's kind of a neat thing, isn't it? Wow, somebody's praying for me. Listen, praying people make an impact and because Paul prayed and prayed often, he made a big impact. Part of the reason the church at Rome was so famous was due to the fact that Paul was praying for it. Our brother James said this, he said, the prayer of a righteous man or the prayer of a righteous woman is powerful and it's effective. It's powerful within the box and it's effective within the box. You know, I've got some good news and I got some bad news that I need to share with you, okay? First, the bad news, the bad news is Is that the Apostle Paul isn't around anymore to pray for Big Valley Grace? That's bad news. But the good news is, you are, (laughs) you're here. Let me ask you a question How often this past week did you remember Big Valley Grace in your prayers? How many times in the last 168 hours when you prayed, did you pray for the church? I'm gonna challenge you to do something. This week, I want you to pray for your church every day. Just pick a time, it could be in the morning, could be lunch, could be dinner, it could be when you stop at a red light, or you know, and you're just, just there you are. There's one time. Pray that revival would take place within the hearts of each person that calls Big Valley Grace their home. That revival would happen in our lives, in other words. Pray for unity, pray for love, pray for faithfulness, pray for protection, pray for wisdom, pray for holiness, pray for righteousness, pray for generosity. Pray that we would tap into the power that's already ours in Christ. Look, some of you guys, bless your souls, you're praying for something you already have. Pastor Rick, would you pray that I would have more of God's power? (laughs) More? Do you you realize that the Holy Spirit is in you? That the greatest power source known to mankind is within you? The power that raised Jesus from the dead is within you. You don't need to ask God for more power. You need to pray that you'd learn how to tap in to the power you already have. You see, that's the kind of prayers that we need to be praying for. Part of it is just our immaturity in the Lord, not understanding our position in Christ. But why don't we start praying those kinds of prayers? Spend some time this week praying for the people that call Big Valley Grace their home, and and let's just see what difference it might make. Just in one week. I'm not asking you to pray every day for an hour, or to crawl into some closet for three hours on your knees. I'm asking you to take 10 seconds at a stoplight, and say, Lord, I just want to pray for the people at Big Belly Grace, and I'm one of them. Pray there'd be greater unity. I pray there'd be greater love. I pray that there'd be greater faithfulness to the gospel with all of us who name the name of Christ at Big Belly. Drive off, and then you're done. (laughs) Then you're done. I'm not asking you to do something crazy. I'm asking you to just take 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and let's do it every day. I've asked the people Saturday night to do it. I asked the people last hour to do it. And now I'm asking you to do it. I think we'd see an unbelievable difference in the life of our church if we were all doing that. So here's the deal. I want you to, you know, rate yourself on a scale from one to 10. How often do you pray? One or two, you know, maybe once a week, maybe once a month. Well, you know, the only time I pray is when something haywire goes down. Or are you somebody who prays often? And once again, if you feel some guilt, that's okay. That's the point of the Holy Spirit in your life, is maybe you need to walk out of here saying, man, I gotta do something, I'm gonna take Rick up, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna spend more time just getting alone, praying for my family, I'm gonna get alone, pray for my children, whatever it might be. Pray for my business, pray for my employees. These are all people that you do life with within the box. Number three, or the third thing that made Paul such an unbelievable man within the box was this, was Paul was a a caring person. And caring people make an impact. In verse 11, he says this. Here's this great man, and he says, for for I long to see you. Man, I want to come and be with you. I want to come and hang out with you. I I want to come and, and do life with you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that might strengthen you. Now, once again, how would it make you feel to know that the great apostle Paul longed to do life with you? Now, probably a lot of these believers at this church in Rome came to faith in Christ through Paul's ministry, probably back in Jerusalem or something like that. And then they had moved on and got to Rome. And now all these believers were in Rome and they were meeting in homes or whatever. They didn't have a church building like this. And here Paul says, man, I want to come and be with you. I want to come and hang out with you guys. I want to do life with you guys. Beloved, the reason Paul made an impact on these people was because he cared deeply about them. And they knew it. And the same thing is true for you. If, you. if you want to make a difference in somebody's life, they gotta know that you care about them. There's an old saying that kind of goes like this: people don't care about what you know until they know that you care. In other words, you can know all the books of the Bible, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Revelation. <laughs> You can have all the great doctrines down pat. You can know the gospel. You know how to share the gospel. You're not ashamed of the gospel. But if people don't know that you care about them, they don't care about what you know. They don't care, especially a younger generation. They want to know that you care about them. You know their spouse's name. You know their kid's name. You know where they work. You're interested in their life. And once they know you you care about them, they're way more interested in what you know. You go to church, right? What is that all about? And What do you guys do there in church? Is it weird? Is it crazy? What's the Bible about? It's important, folks, that we show people we care about them. Now, that's not to say there are times when you may not know somebody and you share what you know. There are, that, that, that's appropriate too at times. But I think one of the things that made Paul such an incredible evangelist within the box was that he cared about people. He cared about their, their, their lives. Now, I want you to rate yourself again. How well are you at caring? Man, you really care for people. I, I really take an interest in people. I'm an eight or a nine, or you know what? <laughs> I love the church, you know, you got this kind of attitude where you love the church, it's it's just the people you can't stand, you know. <laughs> Man, I, I love going down to the church, you know, I just it's the people there. It's driving up a wall. <laughs> and where are you on that scale? Do you really care? If you don't really care about people, people know it and you won't have much of an impact in here. He just won't. Um, Number four, Paul was a humble person, no doubt about it. And humble people will make an impact within the box. And verse 11, once again, he says, for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And that makes sense. This is the great apostle Paul. He wants to come and and unload his gifts on these people, strengthen them up. And then the great apostle Paul, the greatest teacher ever, the greatest theologian ever, one of the greatest thinkers ever, is now going to make this statement that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, but both yours and mine, here you have this great man, this man who was just brilliant, and he says, listen, I I wanna come and do life with you, and here's why, I I have some gifts, some talents and abilities, we call it shape around here, that I, I think could be a real blessing to you, but I also know that you can be a blessing to me. These were newbies. These were people who knew nothing about the gospel, basically. These were all brand new believers. And yet, Paul said to them, look, here's the deal. God has invaded your soul and given you some spiritual gifts, too. And those gifts, though you know nothing hardly about the Bible or whatever, I know my life will be enriched because I'll be with you. That's humility. You see, unfortunately, I know too many people who feel that they're somehow above learning anything from somebody who might be younger than they are or less experienced than they are or maybe less educated than they are. And equally unfortunate are those young believers who feel that they have little or nothing to add to somebody else's spiritual life. One of the things I love about Big Valley is I get to hang out with like guys that are super old. That they've walked with God longer than I've been alive. And my life is enriched because of them. And then I also get to hang out with all these young whippersnappers, these interns that we got here. Some of them haven't known the Lord very long. And I get to hang around them and be around their zeal. And I know that God has gifted them and when I'm around them, it's just wow. I, I owe, my, my life is enriched because of my time around them. Now obviously there's a place for spiritual leadership, spiritual oversight. It's good to have mature people in your life who are mature in the Lord. But don't ever get to the point where you go, hey look, I've walked with God so long, I, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. Rick, I, 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 I've read Romans. You're not gonna add anything to what I know. People like that just don't have much of an impact. They just have a lot of head knowledge. And someone once said all knowledge does is puff you up. It's what it does. John Calvin said this concerning this particular passage. He said, quote, note how modestly Paul expresses what he feels by not refusing to seek strengthening from inexperienced beginners He means what he says too, for there is none so void of gifts in the church of Christ who cannot in some measure contribute to your spiritual progress. That's a great quote. What kept Paul humble was his keen awareness that he just hadn't arrived yet. At this side of glory, he knew he needed other believers in his life. So here's what I want you to do. On a scale from one to 10, where would you be... uh, you know, on the humble scale. Oh, I'd be a 10. Well, I probably got a problem right out of the gate on that one. But, you know, genuinely speaking, you know, uh, where, where, where do you think you'd be? Do you tend to live a life of humility? Or are you down on the one or two scale? Now, I want you to quickly look at verses four, look at verse 14, 15, and 16. And I'll wrap it up with, the, with this. Paul says in verse 14, he says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile." And in these three verses, we see the three great I am's, if you will, of Paul. And they're the things, I think, that motivated Paul within the box. Number one, in verse 14, he says, I am under obligation. In verse 15, I am eager. I'm ready. In verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed. Paul was obligated to share the gospel, he says, and the best way I can describe that would be this. Let's say you went home today, and while you were at home, in your prayer time, God gave you the cure to dementia. Put it in your hands. This ugly, ugly disease that is just just rotten, it's just crummy. It's brought so much pain and sorrow into the lives of so many of you. And God has come into the box and given you the cure. Don't you feel like you would be obligated to tell others about the cure? Don't you feel like you'd have to get up out of your chair and go, man, I got to do something with this. I have the cure to dementia or cancer or whatever it be. Obviously, you would feel obligated, Right? Well, God shows up in Paul's life and says, Paul, I've got the cure to something far worse than dementia or cancer or AIDS. I've got the cure to sin. I've got the cure to how you can break from the bondage of sin and Satan and have a relationship with God. He was obligated, wasn't he? Don't you think we're all kind of obligated? Everybody in here is a prisoner to sin and Satan. And if you know Christ as your Savior, all of us have an obligation to tell others about him. Then he says he was eager or ready to share the gospel, and here's the deal, the reason why some of you aren't eager or ready is because you're, you're not ready. You, you wouldn't know how to share the gospel to those that you do life with, uh, your friends, the people you golf with, or whoever it might be. You're just not prepared. And for you, you know what you need to do? All you need to do is go into the altar room and just say, hey, I need to get involved in, a, in our seeds class. I need to come to our evangelism training class. Call the church on Monday. And we have classes where we'll sit you down and in a few weeks, you'll learn how to articulate the story of the gospel to your friends and all of those people. And once you got that, once you're ready, you'll feel probably a greater obligation to to share the story. And then Paul says this, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You see, Paul understood that he was doomed, that he was a dead man walking in the box, that sin had just messed up his life messed up his relationship with God. And he understood that it was God's grace that sent Jesus into the box and that everything had been made right between him and God. His sins had been forgiven. He really understood it. And when you really understand it, you're not ashamed of it. You're not ashamed of it. Somebody who's ashamed of the gospel, if you will, probably lacks a full understanding of what happened. They they don't understand the bad news. (laughs) And because they don't understand the bad news, they really don't understand the good news. And next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at verse 16 and 17. We're going to spend a little bit more time there uh, next week, but... I'm going to ask everybody over in the venue to stand. I want all of you to stand, and I want us to say these four things out loud together as we wrap this up, okay? Number one, thankful people make an impact. Number two, praying people make an impact. Number three, caring people make an impact. And number four, humble people make an impact. Look, right now, we're all, we're all, we're all alive, still you haven't taken your last breath. We're all stuck in the box. And God wants us all to be his messengers within the box of the good news. And I think if you just apply these four things, I'll bet all of us would see a, us having a greater influence with those around us within the box if we were thankful, praying, caring, humble people. Lord, I'm grateful for this weekend. Sure love last night, Lord. So thankful for those that serve here on Saturday night and it was great here, just, just enjoyed it. Last hour, God, we, we just had a fantastic time worshiping you here, Lord. And God, this hour, all of your family members that have come together it was great, Lord. Again, I'm thankful for those that are visiting with us. God, would you continue to maybe do a work in their lives if they don't know you? Maybe today is the day of salvation for them, and they'd go into the altar room and say, I I need Christ. I need the good news. I need the gospel. Father, give us a a great afternoon and may we have a great time praying for our church this week. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you.